and welcome to NCBI Labs. So you're very welcome to this week's live event from NCBI Labs. We're delighted to have you back with us for more tech news, quick tips, lively banter and general discussions about technology. Of course, Sean Doran isn't with us today, so we've had to draft in not one, but two replacements to help us to fill the vacuum there for the lively banter and discussion elements of our show. First of all, technology trainer, ma training manager Dennis Nolan is with us this week. You're very welcome, Dennis. Are you ready to step up to the banter mark that Sean has vacated this week? Yeah, not sure I, I can reach those dizzy heights, Jude, but looking forward <laughs> to it. Thank you. Good to have you on the show, Dennis. You know, just for anybody listening in, any time it's the other way around and Dennis is introducing people in a meeting or something, he likes to, to make people feel welcome. For me, it's a, a fairly regular thing to be introduced by means of Hey Jude. Well, Dennis, I thought that today we might reciprocate. So I had to kind of find <laughs> a song that had the name Dennis in it. And this little gem that we're going to play in a second caught my ear earlier. It's absolutely magnificent. <laughs> Definitely up there with Hey Jude. Have a listen. Dennis, Dennis, Dennis. Dennis, 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 Dennis. D-E-N-N-I-S. D-E-N-N-I-S. Dennis, 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 Dennis. Believe it or not, that goes on for another minute and a bit. Yeah, I, I, I deserve that, Jude. I was actually expecting a Chris Berg, Dennis is a menace, actually. So a pleasant a pleasant surprise. Thank you. It's absolutely amazing. I, I thought that was a, an absolute gem anyway. So anyway, good to have you with us, Dennis. After all of that, Thanks, good Jude. to have you with us. Thank and, you. And uh, up with us as well this, this week, um, we have Brian Manning joining us as well. Brian, how are things down there in Cork? Any songs for me, Jude? <laughs> well, I tell you what, I was going to ask you, do you know any famous songs with Brian in the name? Who in the name of God would write a song about a Brian dude in all fairness? <laughs> well, do you know what? Funny you ask that. Brian, Brian, Brian. Brian, 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 Brian. <clears throat> it seems like this guy has, has a multitude Brian. of ideas. Brian. Brian, 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 Brian. Uh, this guy has a multitude of, oh, the genius is just seeping through his pores, definitely. So we, we have Dennis the Menace and Brian the Lion, that sounds about right. <laughs> I tell you what, it's amazing what you can do with just the name, isn't it? Well, enough of that. I don't think we can keep up with that for, for all of the rest of the introductions, but kind of not least because I couldn't actually find a version that had JP or PJ in it, but you're very welcome to the show anyway, JP. Good to have you back with us. Well, thanks very much now, Jude, to get you back. Um, this is no harm, sure, we'll be there all day listening to different names. <laughs> know, yes. Those videos actually they did, they actually do go on for about two minutes. Um, it's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how long it took them to come up with the lyrics. <laughs> what was the inspiration? <laughs> 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 it's amazing. And uh, Daniel Dunn is with us today as well. Of course, you got off lightly as well. I think the intro music has run as far as it can, Daniel. Yeah, thanks for that, Jude. Um, <laughs> uh, well, should, should I thank Dennis and, and uh, Ryan for being a bit earlier than I was on the introduction list? Because, yeah. yeah well, they've taken the hit. They have. They have. <laughs> Very good. So we have a full panel today, but you'll have gathered from the introductions there that we have had a little bit of a change to today's show. Uh, we're not going to have the uh, previously mentioned uh, show about the Amazon devices, but not to worry, we will be talking to Amazon about some of their devices at a later date instead. So what are we going to be covering today? Well, later on in the show, we're going to be hearing Brian's thoughts on the dot watch. You might remember that back on Live Event 33, we talked a bit about that with Arum Choi. And today we get the chance to hear about how it works in everyday life. That's a little bit later on. And uh, Brian Manning is going to be helping us out with that. Our main discussion piece this week is going to centre around subscription based services. There's been a big move in recent years to change things from from owning something like a piece of software, for example, 
to paying a subscription to have access to that software for a set amount of time. So what are the pros and cons and how can you get the most out of them? Well, that's what our panel are going to be discussing a little bit later on today. That'll be just after our tech news, which we'll have in just a moment. But before we go into our tech news, just a reminder to get in touch if you do have any questions or comments throughout the show, you can contact us by using the question panel on Teams or just email us at labs at ncbi.ie. That's labs at ncbi.ie. So first up today, there have been a few interesting enhancements to YouTube videos, I believe, JP. What can you tell us about that? Right, you they're happy. And so recently it was announced by YouTube that it's 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 releasing a couple of new accessibility features. And so the first one is probably more tailored for people who have a hearing impairment, and that is live audio captions. So from the 7th of October, 7th of this month, content creators have the ability to, for the first time to enable live auto uh, captions for any live streams in English to make streams more accessible. So this is a feature that was actually already available in YouTube, but it was only available to creators with more than a thousand subscribers. Now it's available to anyone. Uh, the second uh, introduction though, enhancement um, for people with sight loss is that it's adding, this is YouTube, is adding multiple audio tracks on videos. So uh, the company set to release this in the coming quarters to help, well, two reasons really, it's to provide multi-language audio for international audiences, but it's also going to be an option now to have descriptive audio for people with a vision impairment. So in other words, introducing audio description, having that option for the very first time available in YouTube uh, videos. So as I mentioned, the feature is currently available. The right now, the current feature is only available for a very small group of content creators and testers, but YouTube do plan, as I mentioned, on rolling this feature out more widely in the uh, coming quarters, so we believe. Uh, it is great to have this, these um, I suppose enhancements made and released uh, by YouTube. Um, the, the quote they have from, on their company when they're releasing them in a press release from YouTube, it says, improving accessibility is a top priority for YouTube, and we hope these updates will help creators reach a wider audience. So it is very welcome news from the uh, creators yeah. of, uh, and developers of YouTube. Absolutely, yeah, very good. So that means basically that it'll be available on any uh, video. You don't have to go to a special version of it. You can just turn exactly. your audio description on or off, for example. That's exactly it. And it kind of falls into this whole um, area of, of uh, universal design, Jude, exactly. And it is, it's it's very um, a good step by, um, by YouTube, yeah. Brilliant, excellent. We have our own bit of uh, news as well in NCBI, don't we? we with the rollout of a number it's, of new courses. Yeah. Exactly. So it was mentioned in our newsletter on Friday that Labs is planned to roll out three training courses in the very near future. Don't know dates confirmed yet, but we expect to have the dates confirmed very shortly. So we have um, three courses being rolled out and they are uh, introduction to iPad. So this is a course that we're going to go through various accessibility options on the iPad and iPad OS, the operating system, and covering things like getting started with your first iPad, using the magnification and a voiceover gestures. We're going through all the accessibility features on the iPad using Siri for basic commands like setting alarms, opening up apps, turning on and off voiceover and so forth. So that's the iPad course. We then have a second course on, it's on NVDA. It's an introduction course now, it's a beginner's course to NVDA, the screen reader, non-visual desktop access. So a free screen reader for Windows, in this course, uh, we're going to be covering what, NVDA's, what the NVDA screen reader is, how it works, launching and exiting NVDA, setting the screen reader NVDA to start at Windows um, startup, customizing the voice in NVDA, adjusting the speech rate, exploring the menu at NVDA, um, commonly used keystrokes with the software, for example, reading, uh, pausing or stopping speech, moving from item to item and so forth. And the last course then, Jude, it's an introduction to smart speakers. So in this course, we're going to be looking at a range of Amazon Echo Dot smart, Amazon Echo, I should say, smart speakers, including the Amazon Echo Dot, so that are available for people with sight loss. Be very useful for someone who doesn't have one of these devices if they're interested in taking part in this course, because we're going to be going through things like setting up your Echo, uh, enabling the audio tone, uh, feedback tone for accessibility, using basic spoken commands for for example, uh, creating timers, reminders, alarms, shopping lists, and also how to carry out uh, information searches well, all through using your voice. 
So the three courses, uh, each course is 60 minutes in duration. If anyone is interested in taking part, they can email labs at ncbi.ie. And uh, I would say that places are quite limited on these courses. So please do contact us if you'd like to register your interested, like to register your interest rather in any of these three courses. Excellent. Yeah, very good. So get in quick if somebody wants to be involved in that. That's great. Yes. And uh, in our final piece of tech news, something that ties in very nicely to our discussion in a few minutes, Apple have introduced the Apple Music Voice Plan. So Daniel, how will that work? Uh, yes, they have indeed, Jude. Uh, it's just something that was announced there um, since our last live event. So um, yeah, it's the Apple Music Voice Plan. So what it is is it's a new subscription tier for uh, the Apple Music service, but it's designed around the power of Siri. So um, what, what you'll do is you'll actually use Siri to search for and play back music. Um, you get the full access to Apple's 90 million song uh, library, so you have plenty, plenty of choice there. Uh, that includes what, as well as thousands upon thousands of playlists. And um, it's it's good news is it's come for four euros ninety nine cent per month, so it's wow. definitely going to um, you know compete uh, very handsomely against the likes of Spotify, even YouTube, uh, YouTube's music on service. So it's nice to see a little bit shake up in the market, the price competition coming into. So um, for you know for ourselves as well as um, you know the Apple HomePod Minis that we've recently reviewed. It's something that will work uh, on those as well because uh, to work across all your Siri-enabled devices, you know, even even CarPlay. Um, so you can you can bring it with you across all your devices, um, you know, which is which is quite good in that sense as well. So I t it tell you, it's it's one that's going to shake it up. I think um, it's available um, in Ireland. Uh, Ireland is one of the seventeen nations that are getting this uh, this autumn. So it should be coming out very, very soon, um, you know, for, for purchase. So it's definitely um, one to um, watch out for when that, when that comes. Yeah, brilliant. And that definitely is quite a, an attractive price point as well, isn't it, for that yeah. service? So yeah. that's brilliant. And, and it's easy as well in the sense that it's just ask Siri, you know. Um, yeah. Play, you know, play a name of a song or play the name of an artist or just play more music like this if a song pops up maybe that you might not have heard before you say hey play more like this and it'll do it for you so it's, it's yeah. supposed to be very uh very user friendly from, from that point of view that has voice control as well brilliant yeah and it kind of fits in nicely with uh, one of the things that we mentioned about the home pod mm. uh, was that the uh, the sound quality is actually very good on it so having a music service like that and very good sound quality on the speaker you use and has uh, a great way to kind of fit the two things together so it works really it well. Does, yeah, when, when you have the hardware there, that, you know, and I suppose one of the criticisms Apple has maybe is that our hardware, their smart speaker is a little bit out of kilter price-wise with the competition, but maybe they're mm. saying, you know, they've priced the HomePod Mini at such a price, but here's the service you can run on, on that that's much cheaper than everyone else's service. Yeah, so. yeah. Yeah, so, um, definitely. That's a, good, that's a good point. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we mentioned that that kind of fit in with our HomePod mini review, but it also fits in with the next discussion that we're going to have because we're actually going to take a little bit of time now to talk about subscription services. Uh, and we have our panel with us to talk about this. The idea of using subscriptions as a model, uh, a business model for a lot of services has really kind of evolved over time and it's become a lot more popular in recent times. Any kind of thoughts from, from the panel just d back in the day, this idea of kind of getting a subscription to something meant meant something completely different, didn't it? I think you're, you're, you're right there, Drew. I think, you know, the the subscription-based economy has pretty much exploded in the last two years. It's particularly uh, accelerated in the lockdowns of, of last year and this year. Um, I know you think back to, you know, 10, 15 years ago, and it was, you know, normal thing to go into, you know, music store or your video store, and, you know, you rent the latest movie or video game or um, album, if, you, if you're buying mm -hmm. an album or a single. But um, and we all have, I remember at the day, we, sure, we all, all had collections of albums and movies and even video games. Yeah, and then yeah. what we have, of course, is content that can be accessed anywhere, anytime, yeah. and across any device. And that's due to services like, you know, with, with Spotify for music, Netflix for your um, movies and films uh, and, and TV shows, etc., and Xbox for video games. 
Yeah. Uh, but subscriptions also, of course, they're also available for, for just about anything, you know, audiobooks, even mm-hmm. uh, meals, supplements, medications, uh, any product services you can think of. Probably one of the most commonly used ones that would come across here ourselves would be something like Microsoft 365 um, for yeah, your yeah. Office Suite applications, yeah. Um, so I think those days where, you know, a company was offering just a one-time deal with a, with a customer, um, they kind of, <laughs> they're near, nearing an end, you know. Um, it's interesting looking at why maybe it's it's so popular. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, I'll tell you what, we'll come on yeah. to that in a second. I, I'm yeah. just kind of interested as well yeah. to, to know, do they, does anybody else have the same kind of memories as I do? When I was a young lad, there'd be like these these little leaflets come through the door for some book club or I think uh, somebody ended up buying us like a subscription to Reader's Digest or something like that. Any any kind of funny memories or things that you can remember from the kind of subscriptions that there used to be out there? Oh. Well, one of my memories of, of childhood would be, and it reflects the, directly back to the whole area of, of Spotify and Apple Music and Amazon Music. Um, one of my earliest memories of childhood would be where you'd hear a song on the radio and you'd have one of these old tape recorders you'd have you'd be listening to the radio for about three hours just to get one song then you press your your your, your recording play button so and that was the only way you get the song that you wanted really unless yeah, you yeah. could afford to go into the record store and buy one but buy it which wasn't always the case so and i mean like then had i realized that at some point i could just kind of type out the word that call out the name of a song and I, or, or an album and have it played at will for me i mean that would that would have been totally kind of space age stuff for me anyway when I was a child so <laughs> it sort of feels like the sort of thing where the the oldest among us should really comment first here but it's like all of us are basically well let's just say we're all basically the same age we won't give away any ages here we're all basically around the same generation so hard well, to I did go to school with Charles Dickens that's how I remember that bleak, bleak house memory well I wasn't going to say Brian but <laughs> Yeah, I think the newspapers, Jude, I remember you'd feel this sense of being special because if you had subscribed to a newspaper, a Sunday paper, yeah. and you went down, uh, it was always kept for you, you know, regardless of the yeah, fact yeah. that the rest of them were sold, but somebody would hold those back for you in the shop. That's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I remember the Reader's Digest. That was a massive uh, thing way, way back when. I don't even know if it's still, if it's still being published. I think yeah. it is. Um, but yeah. the Reader's Digest was a great read, a small little book. Uh, and was a great read and uh, if you subscribe to it and I think it was a monthly uh, subscription as well uh, and that and that yeah. was and that was pushed out so yeah I, I've, I've got uh, fond memories of things like that for sure. Yeah mm. absolutely I've forgotten all about that thing that you mentioned about the yeah going down to we always had it for the Sunday paper so it was always the Sunday yeah. paper you go in and get the yeah yeah always reserved for you. And then <laughs> yeah, in some no, even yeah. as been, even as a child, again, a, a childhood memory for me would have been the whole availability of audiobooks and you know how how pro- prolific now they are. I mean, when yeah. I was young, I mean, back in the eighties, we would say, I mean, if I wanted to, to read a book that was in print, we say nineteen eighty six, I'd have had to wait until maybe two thousand to get it. <laughs> Whereas now, I mean, just again, yeah. with an audio, with a book, uh, an audible book subscription. Um, right, I mean, yeah. any book I want, I can just have it. It's just there for me. In actual fact, the ironic situation, though, is that a lot of these books are actually being uh, released on Audible before the, the, the print edition is being released. So, um, yeah, yeah. You know, that, again, yeah. that's a huge, kind of, at a personal level, that's a huge turnaround for, for blind people, particularly. And it's, yeah. it's, it's a great, it's, it's a great concept, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Completely different. It's interesting when you kind of start to think about how much it's changed to think about the different factors that have driven the change as well. JP, you were mentioning a minute ago the idea of kind of why why there's been that kind of change. Yeah, I was, Julia. Yeah, I think I think there's a there's a few reasons why it has become uh, so popular that subscription services and I think largely it comes down to convenience. So there's a convenience of just paying, say, for example, a monthly fee for something uh, that's, you know, it's more, much more convenient rather than paying a one off fee for you know, movie, book or album, whatever it might be, or video game. So then there's price as well. So a company may offer a subscription on, on you know, physical products to uh, bypass selling, for example, their services through a middleman, so to speak, or a store, where this, that cost would be, of course, indirectly uh, handed down to the consumer. And then there's choice as well. So being able to log into your computer, or look at your phone anytime, for example, to choose subscription service or, or product that you want. So I think at its core, it's it's convenience and it's choice. So having the ability to very quickly 
are consenting at all, any any time at all as well, day or night and anywhere. Yeah. I mean, that one, the Apple Voice plan that Daniel mentioned is a perfect example. So I think, if Daniel, you were saying it's four ninety nine a month. Uh, uh, four euro ninety nine a month, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, mm-hmm. perfect example of another subscription service uh, yeah. released by Apple. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think it's absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's the common sense for the producers as well, though. I mean, if you think of it, if, yeah. if 90 million people subscribe for a service, whereas up to now maybe 2 million people bought the product, then I mean, the 90 million subscribers is obviously going to make more sense to the, to the producers and the. Mm-hmm. And I think I think that has led an effect like um, all across, um, you know, even everyday stuff that we get, like you see electricity companies will give you, you know, how about we give you, you know, 200 euro every two months and that's your electricity bill, you know, uh, same with mobile phone plans like they're gone very much, you know, how much you're paying uh, every month, you know, it's, you know, whether your plan yeah. is 30 euro a month or 40 euro a month, you, you know, it's generally going to be about that month. So you can see how it's spreading out, um, you know, out across the, all the services that we consume, not just as well as digital yeah, yeah. content as well. It's it's actually taken over um, the way, the, you know, a lot of our everyday things in our lives. It does, yeah. And I think yeah. something that's very exciting, but that's very exciting as well for blind or vision impaired people is the way to a large extent, not not exclusively, but to a large extent, we're being included in these de- in these developments. I mean, a lot of the apps like Netflix, Spotify, Audible, they're accessible to devices like VoiceOver and like we said, the screen readers like JAWS or NVDA. So that that includes blind or vision impaired people and it opens up so many avenues that hitherto would have been blocked for us. So I think that that's, that's something that needs to be heralded as well, something that needs to be commented on as well, and something that yeah. needs to be encouraged. And we need to guard and ensure that whatever new developments are coming on board with these apps and with these subscriptions that we are included in the basic design of these apps and that they continue to be accessible for us, you know? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think technology has become a great enabler for that and and with the advancements in technology from the urban to the rural where people have access to not just internet but high speed. And I think uh, if you look back at, and I think you're you're absolutely right, Brian, how has it opened doors to everybody? And I think even from a working point of view with COVID, I could see this, in my opinion at least, coming down the road anyway, where you you would have that mix of working from home, working in the office. COVID has just accelerated what was what was coming down the track anyway, in the sense that now people really do have that op- option, even as we open up more and more and people are going back to the office, the opportunity now for working or mixing it with, with with home is there but on the subscription models I think now really it's no longer an, a product being offered it's a service rather yeah. than a product and I think it's it's moved across very nicely that terminology and it allows things like you know the software as a service like the Netflix we're now paying for as, as JP mentioned uh, Office 365 is now and here's the confusing part moved to Microsoft 365 you know and <laughs> all these rebrandings and renaming things but with off with Microsoft 365 that for me is a, is a great example so you're not paying for the product you're paying for the service and the benefits yeah, that yeah. come with that, of course. Absolutely. It's an interesting thing, isn't it? Because it brings up the whole thing about like ownership or not ha- not ownership. It's like Ex- you pay exactly. for ownership or you pay for access. Yeah, yeah and you're not paying. You're not an owner. You're not an owner. Mm. You, you're 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 paying for access to, and that's exactly the difference with with that. But the benefit, of course, is for example, the support is always there as well for these products, and it's it's much like there's car manufacturers factors taking on this as well where you're actually taking a car nearly as a service you know you're, you're paying on a, a monthly fee for that but the benefit to the to the i won't you see you can't say owner anymore the person yeah. driving that yeah. vehicle is that they have that support it's always available if something goes wrong yeah mm-hmm. it's very interesting yeah it's a very interesting kind of model and just to see what what's yeah. driven it it's interesting how much has kind of come together to work just perfectly for it because it does suit the customers but it also does suit the businesses and it also is enabled by the fact that technology is able for it at the moment and it all just comes together very nicely doesn't it um we we did talk about some of the particular elements um there some of the the ways that we've seen subscription services changing and the the kind of uh, sectors of business almost uh, that uh, it's it's ventured into now at this point. But what what other sort of areas are there that have kind of moved towards this model? We talked about software there, for, so Microsoft 365. We've talked about one or two other things. What else is there out there? 
I suppose you have, um, uh, you know, and any any parents out there will definitely agree with us, like the games, um, yeah. service like Xbox and Playstations, and all that, so you have these um, online subscriptions now where you pay for Xbox Live, and you can, you know, you can go in basically, and as long as you're paying, paying that fee every month, you have, a, you have a library of games that you can just dip in and play, instead of yeah. paying the full 50 or 70 euro for the game. Um, yes, yeah. You know, so this is this is the other kind of things that you're seeing coming along, and I suppose as the internet um, infrastructure gets better and better and speeds get better and better, I think this uh, will probably be the main way the gaming industry is going to go as well. That, that's uh, interesting, actually. That that's kind of like what Stadia were supposed to be doing, wasn't it? It's yeah. like a Spotify for games almost, or something exactly. similar. It's access to a library. Yeah. Now I haven't heard much of Stadia since I know it was announced a good while back, but I haven't mm. heard much of. Uh, where it's going, or is there is it is it is it even going properly yet, or is there much uptake at the moment? But yeah. I'm sure I'm sure like um, Google definitely won't want to uh, drop the ball on that one because it's a massive massive industry and like it's really dominated there at the moment by Xbox and and PlayStation yeah. and and you know and just like it like we made a point earlier about Apple Music coming in there with its price cut for. Vice only, um, you know, maybe there's an option for for a third player to come in and cut the, you know, cut cut the prices and get the more competition going. Absolutely, yeah, and it's yeah. it's quite an interesting one when you're talking about the the change to how these services are delivered in the Stadia. You basically you pay for your controller pretty much, and the console is is remote. You don't kind of pay yeah. for your console. You just pay for your your monthly access to the library of games. So long as you've got a good internet connection. And that's you pay true. for your controller. That's it. So it's yeah. quite an interesting one as well. And, yeah. and the the alignment, Jude. I think of of all the different parties involved. So I find it amusing. In some cases, we all get this kind of fair usage policy on from our internet service provider, which yeah. determines how much data we can use in a month. And what Daniel mentioned there, and I'm sure Daniel will agree, some of those games are enormous file size yeah. wise. So whilst you may have a limit on the data you can tran transfer in or out of your house in a month, some of the games can actually account for the vast majority of that. So the alignment between the different uh, interested parties, if you like, is quite yeah. important. Yeah, mm. that is an interesting point. I hadn't thought of that as well. Yeah. Any other kind of areas um i know health and fitness we talked about kind of gym memberships earlier that's kind of moved on a bit as well hasn't it yeah it has um you've you've fitbit paid services uh fitbit paid yeah. services there now um you know among other things like you can see training uh you know tra training websites setting up and offering courses and things like that um yeah. you have you have fitness instructors kind of doing classes online as well there you know you can subscribe to them if you if you want as well um like we mentioned the uh, microsoft 365 adobe have it as well like traditionally um you know adobe software is extremely expensive to buy in particular and particularly anyone maybe going to college and you know doing doing media design or anything like that uh, now you can actually rent rent the Adobe software, you know, for your your Photoshop and all those programs like that. That you can rent your access to those now, which is yeah. which is a good thing. So you do see it, you know, it is spreading out uh, across a lot of different a lot of different services and and products that are are, are getting more and more structured for this um, subscription model. You know, pay by the month for access. Yeah, and I think that the, the, the whole the whole subscription model as well has changed the way. For example, we read newspapers, and I think that's very important as well for for vision impaired or blind people. And the, like the fact that I mean, a lot not just vision impaired or blind people no read their newspapers online or read the read the newspapers through the apps, but um, the fact that like it's a very much a mainstream development. Most people are reading their newspapers online or you know in the smart devices, and that has greatly enhanced the vision impaired person's ability to read the newspaper. Like for example, again, bring you back to my distant past, one of my childhood. I mean, like, we we would have had to have newspapers read to us, or I mean, like there would have been different projects. For example, NCBI would have had the the Drumcondra project where the newspapers were read onto tape, and you got the newspaper at the end of the week or something like that. Whereas now, the ability of a blind or vision impaired person to a subscription, you know, can actually just 
get out your iPad, get out your smartphone, get out your your, your laptop with JAWS and read a newspaper every day. And that's, you know, totally, you know, has a huge impact on the everyday quality of life for blind and vision impaired people. The fact that we can now read the Irish Independent every day or the Examiner every day, the Irish Times, whichever your, your newspaper of choice, and even the word choice in the whole area of reading yeah. newspapers, yeah. that's brilliant for vision impaired or blind people. And the fact that most of these apps, no, again, I mean, some of the apps do leave a little bit to be, to, 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 um, it could be the the design could be improved, but for the most part they are accessible and they are readable. And I mean, like again, that's brilliant for everyday for the everyday lives of, of blind or vision impaired people that we can read the Irish Independent, or the Irish Examiner, or, or even your local regional newspaper, which is which is brilliant. And again, so again, the subscription model has really, really you know encouraged uh, blind people to be able to read newspapers and things like that. And we all know, I mean, if we're living in the information age and the better, more access to information, which it comes to, to a large extent through these newspapers is fantastic for blind and vision impaired people as well. So, you know, yeah. that's a, another thing that needs to be recognised. Absolutely. Yeah. It's interesting that we kind of started out by saying, you know, about the things that we remember were like gym memberships and getting the newspaper reserved for you and uh, maybe a, a book club thing or, or whatever. A lot of those things, actually each of those things still has a kind of subscription model, but just an entirely different subscription model to how they were. So it's a, it's a valid point as well. Very interesting one. We might just, um, we'll come back to this in a minute, the idea of just what your own preferences are, because we, we talked about kind of for this part, the pros and cons and, you know, how to get the most out of it. So we might come back to you on, uh, on that in, in just a moment. But before we do, there's also this other kind of area of freemium surf services. <laughs> what, what are they? I suppose the best way to describe it, Jude, um, if you know, if you're not paying for it, you're the product. Yeah. So basically, yeah, you will see, I, I suppose the best example to give me, you know, um, look up a song on YouTube, what's going to happen? Uh, if you're not a subscriber to the to the YouTube platform, um, you're going to you're going to see at least two, if not three, ads uh, mm. before your song plays, and yes. that's how it's that's how it's paid for. So um, the artist, are, generally, you'll find that it's a service that has put up a, a group of artists' music onto YouTube, and they get the advertisement commission from that, and they obviously take a cut for themselves and pass them back to the poor artist. Um, that was not so bad for the well-established artists who were who are probably making a nice a nice few pound out of it. But was um, there was a thing come up there? The the EU were asked to look into this at the moment. That you know the the revenue that is making its way back, particularly to the smaller artists and the ones that are just starting out, really didn't really only get that small bit of money out of it. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of debate and question about the subscription service from the music point of view. At, at the moment and um, you'll probably see news headlines of that coming you know over the coming weeks and months as, as that develops so that you know that um that is a, a, a kind of a downside maybe of the freemium it's great for somebody who doesn't doesn't mind putting up with a few advertisements but yeah. you do have to you know you do have to let the ad play out um before before you get to listen to the piece of music or the video content that you that you want to that you had searched yeah, for. yeah. And, and there would be quite a few of those, wouldn't there? Oh, there would. Um, yeah. Like a lot, a lot of them have um, their own kind of free service. It, you know, as well as to entice subscribers in, the Spotify will give you yeah, yeah. Uh, access to their platform for free. But you won't actually get the songs you want. It'll bring you, it'll bring you kind of around, around about way to the music yes, that you might yeah. want. You've got a lot of apps also that I think in arguably an underhanded way, they'll they'll give you this platform, an app, for example, develop your own website and you'll create yeah. this by, by means of dragging and dropping, needing no coding experience whatsoever. And you'll build up what you may deem as a wonderful website. And at the point of publishing, so it actually, so you can actually publish so people can use it, it then asks you to subscribe. And there's many examples of applications yes, out yeah. there that's, that's like that, that, that give you the application. Everything that comes with the application is open to you and you can use it. But at the point 
when you want to publish that uh, your work, it then looks for you to subscribe. So invariably, a, per, a percentage of people at that point uh, will go with that subscription purely to get that uh, in the example, yeah, yeah. for example, of a website to get that published. And mm. it's interesting that kind of model is, like you say, very diplomatically, whether it's underhanded or not, it's kind of, yes, there, there is that element of, of actually this wasn't what somebody was expecting. And because they've then invested time, there's that kind of, of common psychological element, isn't there? That like, yeah. if I've invested time, I'm going to lose it now unless I pay for such and such. So yeah, yeah an, an interesting kind of psychological model in there as well. Sure. Um, there's a few as well, like like you mentioned about Spotify, for example, where there's a, a free version with maybe supported with ads, but then you can pay for the one that's that's uh, ad free and that's the kind of the, the superior service, if you like. There's some others like um, I know maybe if we talk about um, some of the storage options, for example, Dropbox or something like that, you might get a limited amount of space um, and, and gen are they generally ad free? And this Dropbox and uh, the Dropbox and say like so your Google Drive and OneDrive, you will get um, a certain amount of storage space absolutely free. Yeah, um, yeah uh, but I suppose if you read through the terms and conditions, um, you know, will the based on maybe on the content that you're uploading that, um, you know, advertisements might be tailored towards what's in that content. Um, yeah, so that, yeah. uh, that, that will be again, if something is free or the product getting back to that um but definitely like 15 gigs um on google drive is you know comes free with your with your gmail address if you're using gmail again um but it what it what it all does is it uh, feeds into kind of find out finding out more about you and uh tailoring advertisements so there is yes, there is yeah. a subliminal <laughs> advertisement it's engagement still place. isn't it yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. There is, there is. And that's, so that's how, how it works Another one, I suppose, yeah. Daniel, would, would be the likes of some like WeTransfer as well, which I would use from time to time. Yeah. And it kind of goes back to having like, you know, the free option there where you can, you know, you know we all use Outlook and, you know, we, we're limited to maybe it's a, maybe a 20 megabyte file that you, could, you can send as an attachment. But maybe if, if you want to go beyond that, you're looking at something like uh, WeTransfer or something similar, similar service. So that's, it's free uh, to, just to send, like, you know, one-off files to yes, yeah. number of people, maybe 10 people. But then when you go beyond that, if you want to transfer, um, you know, maybe files that will be up to maybe you know larger groups of people, um, or if you want to have all the perks of, of maybe a premium package, then you then you sign up for their for their monthly subscription. And it is clever. I mean, uh, I yeah. know, you know some of a lot of graphic designers, for example, would have the the pro version, for example, of, of WeTransfer because if they send someone a link, for example. You know, if I were to do it on a on a free version, it would only be valid for seven days. Whereas if they did it, it would be it would be valid for uh, as long as you like. Or they would have no limits as to how many files they could send in a certain amount of time, or the size of the files themselves. So it's it's a clever clever way to do it. All right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And there's that kind of thing as well, sort of feeding into a little bit what Dennis mentioned earlier about the investment that you put in for time if you kind of That's do everything and then at the point at the end point you have to sign up there's that sort of thing with even even something like dropbox or google drive or whatever if you get into the habit of using something because actually this is great i've got loads of space and then you you suddenly find after a while this is such a you might feel like this is such a useful service but now i've capped out and i've hit the the top of my um allowance for storage you kind of feel like well i can't really do without this service now so i'll, yeah. I'll have to pay yeah yeah, yeah. another yeah another example you could bring up is is um even some of the games and yeah you know the games the games might be free to start off but you're playing yeah. for an hour or two you've you know you've something made or something done or so far gone in it oh now to get something you can buy these you know you need coins yeah. how do you yeah, buy yeah. 200 coins well you have to give us five euro through paypal for 200 coins and then you yeah, yeah. unlock the next level and play on um, so kind game. of free to play but pay to win exactly yeah yeah so that's been um that's another example of the freemium i suppose from the, from the games it will be a total opposite i, I guess yeah. to what we said earlier about the xbox live and that you know yes where, yeah yeah um you, you play as much as you like and there's no additional charge bar the subscription whereas this way and the further you go in the game, the more you're paying. 
So with, with all that kind of information that we talked about, the various types of uh, model that there is for these subscription services and how how much it's kind of gone into so many different sectors and areas of our life. Is there any kind of tips that you have, any preferences that each of you have? Maybe if we kind of come to each of you at, at this point, just give us your, your kind of lowdown on subscription services. Are they worth it? Are there tips that can help somebody get the most out of it? Who's going to start us off with that? Maybe we go to Brian first, will we? Well, to be honest, like, like Dan, I said a while ago, I mean, I'm relatively new to the whole subscription scene to the extent that I really only started subscribing to things like Netflix, Spotify, Spotify, uh, Acast, uh, Acast, sorry, um, since, the, since the lockdown. For long, I, I for years now, have been a subscriber to Audible. Yeah. And again, I, I suppose the advantage for me as a blind person is, as was first of all, the feeling of inclusion, the fact that I can access these different services through the different apps or through the different subscriptions. And that to me is seven. And that's the important thing that I can. All right, there's a cost. But as a blind person, I can avail of these services. I can access the information on offer by these services using voiceover or, or JAWS and using my smart device or my laptop. So to me, that's the that, that, that's the central point, really, is the whole yeah, yeah. factor of inclusion. Um, I mean, Audible, I, I just love Audible. I, I couldn't be without a, a, an Audible book. So, and again, I mean, there are advantages to being a subscriber to services like Audible, for example. You can, they're, they're, they constantly have offers ongoing. They constantly have, you know, member, member, um, member options or member advantage services going so you can you know instead of a book that might be 30 euros you might be able to buy it for three euros we'll say so audible is one thing that's i've always been a subscriber to and i could never imagine me not being yeah, a, yeah. a member of and again like yeah. the newspapers are brilliant because again i you know i i just recently, I I love um, I love Gaelic games. I love the championship. I love hurling. So I subscribed to a national newspaper during the at the start of the summer just to be you know read read their yeah yeah read their commentaries and you know read their their their, their, their subscribers and things like that. And what I found out was since September, I expected that I was going to end the subscription in September, but I haven't. I kept it going and I love it. Um, yeah. Again, things like Netflix. Again, I never imagined that I would be using things like Netflix. But I mean, the, a lot of the Netflix pro, uh, programs and options have audio description. And again, that's something that I really bought yeah. into. And I love yeah. Netflix and, and I love the audio description to the extent that I'm kind of gotten lazy. You know, if, if it doesn't have audio description, I probably don't watch it. Yeah. That's yeah. just me being lazy. And again, things like Spotify, just having access to so much music is fantastic. And not even at your fingertips, but at, you know, just, just by a spoken command, you can have all of these, you can have all of these, um, all of this music, all of these playlists. So yeah. again, I mean, the, the general, the general advantage to everyone, obviously I too, you know, take avail of. So, for example, it's great to have all of that music. But as a blind or vision impaired person, it is the, the real the real benefit is to having the access to it and having having the whole area of or having the whole factor of of being included in these yes, apps. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, there yeah. is there is I suppose the, the downside is that there is a cost factor to these subscriptions. And you know, being a blind or a vision impaired person, you know, unfortunately, on you know, unemployment levels are quite high, so not everyone can afford. Those subscriptions, mm -hmm. and maybe that's something mm -hmm. I don't know down the road that that, that, that we might hone, hone in on. Like, how can we make these services, and how can we make these subscriptions more attainable for people on low for low income people? But yeah. um, for me, as a blind person, though, like the the the, the positives far outweigh the negatives. The yeah. design of some of these apps cash can be it could be improved, but to a large extent, with a bit of tweaking, with a bit of you know experience or training around voice over our jaws, they can be. They can be tweaked, and you know, a blind or vision impaired person can access them. So again, it's it's, yeah. it's a plus plus for for me as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. very good. So one very much in favour there. Um, maybe if we go to Daniel, what's the verdict for yourself, Daniel? Yeah, it's a bit of um, you know, like Brian, there a very very positive um opinion on them. I suppose um, you know, if if you do ever kind of fall out of uh, using a, a subscription service, you know, maybe you forget to cancel the subscription and yeah. the bank statement comes in at the end of the month and you're like, oh, forgot yeah, again yeah. this month to not give them that five or a tenner. <laughs> oh, it's only a five or a tenner. Yeah, Next yeah. month comes around, 
rinse and repeat. So, Even worse uh, for the uh, annual ones. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, they're, they're, they're consisting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, I suppose like everybody looks at, at these things, Asher, what's a five or a month or a ten or a month? It's only, you know, the price of a couple of cups of coffee when you're out and about. Well, if you've yeah. got a good few of these subscription services going to do add up, um, yeah. and then if you're not using one and you have to kind of say, well, look, you know, I, I subscribe to maybe to that TV service, and I watched an hour of it. Yeah. Um, yeah or maybe yeah. I forgot to watch it all, all last month. There's <laughs> that money down this money. Um, so that's maybe one one of the downsides of the subscription service. Yeah, yeah. But so overall, sort of cautiously in favour. Yeah, cautiously. A good thing I, will, I, will, I do like about a lot of the subscription service, it doesn't matter whether you sit down in front of Android, Apple, or Windows, you know, it's there. Um, in, in, in some cases, like the, the the web the website version can be very good as well. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. You know, of a particular yeah, service, a lot of them, um, you know, particularly as well as for our digital content. You know, the fact that you can stream maybe video content or music content out onto other devices around the house, uh, other smart devices around the house. It's it's fantastic. Yeah, uh, very good. Can be in your pocket on your mobile phone, going about with you as well. You you can consume it in so many different places. Yeah, that's yeah, uh, absolutely. Very flexible, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's the flexibility yeah, of it. Flexible. Is, is on the bus reading broad. the newspaper, that's where it does it best for me. I never thought I'd be <laughs> reading the newspaper on the bus. So. There you go, Very Brad. good. Any thoughts, Dennis? Uh, yeah, I uh, like the feedback from uh, both of the guys. I think its its strengths are also its weaknesses. The how you consume information um, and the the availability of that information now gone to something like your mobile device, your mobile phone. I think it's great and it's also exceptionally sad in equal measures. I genuinely do. Yeah, I think yeah, yeah. Uh, we've got from kids looking at at their adults, be it their older brothers, sisters, mums or dads, and they're following suit and they're getting these devices at a very early age. And I think the consequences of this have, have yet to be properly seen. So I think uh, in, it's at least in equal measures. I, I, I quite liked the world when there was a lot less of that and much more yeah, of going yeah. out and kicking a ball or playing games. Um, so that's that's what I would say on that. The other couple of things, again, on what Daniel said, the the and Brian, the I, I'm I'm talking about let's say choice. And whilst it can be a good thing, but you got Amazon Prime, Apple TV, mm. Netflix, mm. and then you had Disney Plus coming in on us on the streaming uh, services mm. as well. Now that having that choice is one thing, but do you subscribe to all of them? Then which is the best one? And to be quite honest, you can go to one person. Daniel could tell us his preference is Netflix. Brian could tell us that Brian's preference is Amazon Prime, and they could all have reasons for doing that. Yeah. In when when Disney came out, and that was the last quarter of 2019, immediately Netflix they re they reckon met Netflix lost one million subscribers immediately uh, when when oh, this came. Yeah. So you had people moving across and and all these different choices. So strengths and weaknesses again, and then the last thing the subscription again yeah. it was mentioned that that subscription can come out at the end of the month worse again at the end of a year i have an experience with subscriptions where uh, and i'm not going to name but it's a very big vendor um and my son had a subscription to a game and we could not cancel the subscription it took us months and and actually getting a person even to connect to in the company was Goodness, next yeah. to impossible to just get this subscription cancelled for a service we weren't using um and you know the passwords for those has anyone ever had just an email you know you save password yeah, yeah. and next thing it looks for a password and you have you have no idea what that password yeah. was because it's two years ago since the service was started so there's yeah. a couple of, there's a couple of and i i know uh jude you, you put pros and cons so i wanted to throw out a few of that we've got plenty of positives so i just wanted i suppose to throw in yeah, a few yeah. additional uh, negatives for that as well yeah <laughs> absolutely and a very interesting point that you mentioned about the, like even the societal impact which is another big discussion in itself absolutely. but that's uh, yeah yeah it's quite a big thing to keep in in account we better um we better just about wrap this up but we'll give the final word here to jp i think we haven't come to you yet for your no, final thoughts thanks, dude. I, I think it wasn't much, <laughs> much, of, much of my thoughts have already been mentioned by the lads but just just to just my own thoughts on it i think focusing on streaming platforms in particular in the last 18 19 months with covid and a lot of people have subscribed to platforms like netflix prime disney apple or even all of them in some cases so I think the positive is huge choice there. Uh, as Brian mentioned, much of the content 
on these platforms is coming with audio description available, which is really, really uh, positive. Um, interesting one on Netflix now. I've, um, I was listening to another podcast, <laughs> not our own one, another one actually recently. Uh, you listen to other podcasts? <laughs> I shouldn't be, I shouldn't be saying this. Uh, it wasn't as good. <laughs> but <laughs> they were saying it was all about the emergence of Netflix, that it's, it's rise, rise to fame and, and fortune. So Netflix, interestingly, were made an offer by Blockbusters, the old Blockbusters chain that were in Ireland as well, and the big in the US. Yeah. Back in 2000 to purchase the streaming service for $50 million. This is back in 2000 and they declined. They said it wasn't going to go anywhere. Anyway, look, Netflix is now multi-billion dollar industry. So but, uh, with, but some, with some manager licking his wounds There's a big rivalry yeah. with the two of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, that's just to show the, the, how, how popular these streaming platforms have become. I think yeah. the con, as, as Dennis mentioned as well, there's a social element to this as yeah. well. So, like, you know, go, go into the, you know, go into your video store. I remember going to my video store when I was, when I was a kid, and you, you know, you see your friends there. You say, "Oh, what, what are you getting out?" and so on. There's a social, a social element is gone, or maybe in the case of audiobooks, people might have gone to a local library in the past to look for maybe an audiobook available in, in a CD format. I mean, that's that could be the case as much anymore. Um, but I do think, on the whole, like given that so much content is is now fully accessible. In these streaming platforms, um, you have your, you know, audiobooks available as well, and these are these are all readily available. I think the choice, convenience offered, I do think mm. that the positives would outweigh the negatives, uh, much like uh, Brian's comments there. Yeah, and you have too. a service that will allow you stream audiobook books. You don't actually have to buy the books, mm. so that's mm. that's interesting. That's yeah. new development as yeah. well, so that's, that's quite good. Right. Yeah. yeah. If what's a CD? <laughs> <laughs> And, and blockbusters, JP. What was Jack blockbusters? <laughs> I <laughs> love the social games of our childhood. Was things like blockbusters. Not the social elements now of Brian's childhood, because that dates back to Charles Dickens. Didn't you tell uh, us? Yeah, yeah, Brian. <laughs> <laughs> blockbusters. That sounds like one. I was young for. Sounds like a different, different version of Candy Crush. <laughs> I think he was referring to that movie Ghostbusters or something. Oh, Ghostbusters. <laughs> that was it. When I, when I was a young fella, Blackberry was something you picked off a bush. Yeah. <laughs> That's, uh, yeah, yeah. Very good. Well, with that, we better round this up. But thank you very much to Dennis and to Brian, Daniel and JP for that discussion on subscription services. Interesting just to hear a lot of the, the pros and con, cons with that and uh, the various different factors that kind of factor into that. And also just, I suppose, getting a bit of a sense of how pervasive it is in as a business model these days kind of helps us to to get to to grips with uh, just the idea of how much is it worth is worth it for us individually and uh, how to make the most out of it so thanks very much to our panel for that brian you're going to stay on with us for for a little bit if that's okay yeah. uh, we've just got a few minutes really and it's uh, we, we've talked about the dot watch before we mentioned earlier that we've chatted to aram choi about the the uh, dot watch in uh, one of our earlier um, live events. I think it was live event number 33. So w w we just wanted to kind of get uh, get the view of somebody who uses it on a regular basis. And you have one, don't you? Well, it's not mine. NCBI took the liberty of one there a couple of weeks ago and they just uh, asked me to trial it. And um, yeah, I've, 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 you know, I'm wearing it now as we speak. And again, it is a smartwatch. It has four refreshable braille cells on the front face of it. Um, again, because it's a smartwatch, it's something that you can use independent to a, to, um, a smart device, like a, an iPhone, we'd say, or it's something, again, obviously, that you can pair with your iPhone, and you can just get, the, if you go to the App Store and look for the Dot Watch app, you can download it, and quite, you know, breezily talks you through the pairing process between the, 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 the Dot Watch and the iPhone. And again, yeah. using the iPhone app, you can control different settings for the watch. So you can, you know, change the date, time format. You can, there's an auto scrolling feature on the watch, which scrolls the four braille cells. And you can set that up, the time of that up and the speed of that up on the uh, the iPhone app. Um, yeah. You can also, there's a very good braille tutorial kind of built into the iPhone app. So you can actually send braille symbols to the watch. So if you're learning braille, for example, you can send braille lettering to the to this dot watch and learn to feel the the, the, the individual braille cells and braille oh, braille letters. Yeah. So that's quite that's quite a good feature of it. The actual yeah. watch itself, I mean, it has the four um, the four refreshable braille cells 
on the face of the watch, under which, under and under those cells, there are two scroll buttons. So there's a right scroll button and a left scroll button. So if you press the right scroll button, then it moves the braille on four four letters, four characters at a time, four cells at a time. And obviously, if you touch the left scroll button, it brings the 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 the, the braille cells back four letters at a time or four characters at a time. And then to the side, the front side of the watch, where I suppose on a conventional, traditional watch, you'd have the winder. You have so you still have the winder. To the left of the winder, you have the select button, and to the to the right hand side of the winder, you have the clear button. So, and how you turn on the watch is you just hold in the clear button for about three seconds, and you can hear the uh, braille cells come up onto the um, refreshable braille cells come up, come active. Um, mm. And then, if again you have a menu on the watch, so if I press the select button, which is the button to the left of the winder. Immediately it brings up the time so I can just read the time now. It is 0328. So that tells me that it's 28 minutes past three. So now if I press the select button again, I get my seconds. So it tells me that it's now 26 seconds and it's PM. So it's telling me that the time is on the PM as opposed to the AM. If I press it again, I get the date. So it's telling me that we're on the 10th month and the 26th day. Okay, so I can press clear to clear that display. So now if I press select again, and if I move the winder to the right, I'm going to get the battery life, what's left on the, the phone or on the the, back, or the the watch. If I move it to the left again, the winder, I'm going to get, you know, connectivity information telling me whether it's yeah. connected to the iPhone or not. If I move that dial or that meant that that winder to the towards myself, towards the left, I'm going to get not well, it just says NOTI in Braille, obviously. So that stands for notifications. So if I select that, then I can start reading things like my notifications, like yeah, my yeah. Uh, messages and stuff like that. So all the notifications will come in there. Whatever I have active on the iPhone, whatever notifications I have active on the iPhone will come up there and I can read them four letters at a time and I can auto scroll them. So I'll kind of, I'll read the first four letters, then the next four letters, the next four letters. It would be a slow, laborious way of reading your Braille. But I mean, again, if you're a good Braille user, you know, it can yeah. be done. Yeah, yeah. If I move that winder to the right, to the left again, up towards myself, I read the word stop and that's literally just telling me that this, this is where the stopwatch is so if i select that then it, it, it starts it start it starts the, the stopwatch so i can go in at any time then and just see where i am what how you know how many minutes or seconds have elapsed since i started the stopwatch if i move my winder to the left again i'm going to read i'm going to one second there no sorry I'm going to read the timer so again i can start the timer so you know the stopwatch um winds up the timer winds down so like i can set the timer for three minutes and then i can go in and check it then two minutes one minute whatever so handy for things like boiling eggs or cooking food whatever you want or if you again if you want to use yeah, yeah. As a fitbit you can you know have your exercise uh, routines kind of on a timer yeah 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 i have memos is that when i wind it to the left again i have my memos and again this is where the um the brilliance of the watch and the app on the iphone combined because in the app i can write myself 10 up to 10 memos and then i can uh, at any time i can come into the mem into the watch you know, act activate the watch, come down to memos and read those 10 memos with my four, um, with my four, um, yeah, yeah, cell braille display. And that's pretty much it. One of the things I, two things I like about it is, I mean, if a message comes through or a, a, an email comes through your iPhone, you get a, you get a vibration alert on the watch. So you know to, to, to look for something. Again, yeah. if your iPhone rings, you can, even though it's a smartphone, you can't answer the phone through the smartwatch, through the dot watch, but it does have, a caller ID, so you can actually read Very who's good, calling yeah. you on the watch using Braille, yeah. which is quite quite good. And you know, so would tell me Jude, for example, you you would be excellent yeah. because J U D E would come up. <laughs> Whereas you know, if it was Daniel, I get the D A A N I. I could just you know move the, the display form, I get the other I E L yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So again, it has a very smart um, color a caller display using the Braille watch. One thing that I do like about about this smartwatch, and it's ironic, really, I suppose, yeah. in the light of, of where I've been talking about voiceover jaws and and audio descriptions and things like that, a lot of blind people, it's like it's almost like as if we have a speech sponge in our heads, like we have so many voices coming at us, and we're getting so mm. much information through through speech. 
Whereas, yes, yeah. you know, this thing, it's silent. There is no speech to it. Everything comes through the braille. And it's, it's kind of, it's nice to have a bit of silence in our lives as well. And that is yeah. one of the features of this watch that I like. It's a, it's, yeah, it's a nice thing to have. It's a nice little accessory. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. it's coming in at around 450 euros. Um, mm. Again, I wrote a review of it recently and I asked two questions of myself. I said, is it worth having? I said, yes. Is it worth buying? I said, I'm not so sure. It's, it's definitely worth having. If it's worth 450 euros, I suppose that's up to each individual to decide for themselves. Um, yes, yeah. I suppose as refreshable Braille, digital devices go. It's not hugely expensive because Braille can be very, very, especially refreshable Braille can be a very, very expensive commodity. Whereas, you know, 450, again, if, you, if you're the parent of a, a child, you know, using learning Braille or using Braille, I suppose it would be a nice thing, a nice stocking filler for, for Christmas or whichever. But um, again, that's that's the smart dot watching. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, minutes, minutes. Yeah, very good. Thank you very much for taking us through that, Brian, and uh, good to get, get your kind of verdict on that as well. And it, <laughs> probably quite a good distinction for people to to uh, hear as well, just the idea of is it worth having and is it worth buying as maybe two slightly different answers depending on uh, what a person's own individual preferences are. But appreciate you taking us through that, Brian. Very helpful. Very good. So we're nearly at the end of our show. We just have time very quickly for a couple of quick tech help, uh, quick tips. So uh, Daniel is going to take us through a couple of these. And I believe the first one you have uh, today is to do with the clipboard history. Yeah, that's right, um, Jude. Um, there's probably a lesser known feature in Windows 10. Um, that's the, we're all, I suppose, used to the control and V for pasting, something that we might have copied, control C for copy, control C, for, uh, V for pasting. Yeah. Uh, but there is a Windows key in V and it brings up what we call uh, a pasting history. So something that you might have copied, um, you know, earlier on today uh, and, and you might want to access that bit of information again, you can use your Windows key and V to bring up that. Um, now, when you do it for the first time, it'll ask you to turn on kind of a cloud based service of it. And you can if you um, you can do this, you can turn it on and basically it means that what you've copied will be kind of stored on a, a little bank on on the, on the web for you. So if your windows shuts yeah. down or whatever, you restart your windows, you can even still go back then and um, gather what you were, you know, information you might have copied okay, yeah, yeah. At, an, at an earlier point or an earlier day even. So it's a handy little feature to switch on Windows key and V. And yep. the next one then, and I suppose this one ties back into our earlier discu discussion yes, about yeah. the subscription services. And um, now let me try and wade through this because it, well, it, it is a little bit confusing, but this is um, Microsoft have made it more confusing by renaming Office 365 <laughs> to Microsoft 365. Okay, so that's, that's the first thing to remember. <laughs> our starting point, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And basically, yeah, it's your Microsoft Word, your Excel, your PowerPoint, and all those um, very familiar programs that we all that we all cherish and love. Uh, they're they're also available as a subscription, so you can pay a couple of euros a month to use them, or you can pay um, an annual an annual fee, which kind of effectively gives you the last uh, two months free. So uh, in this is interesting now, way Microsoft have gone the, gone this route over the last few years. Um, Traditionally, we would have maybe uh, bought a copy of Microsoft Office, you know, paid, paid um, the going rate of a couple of hundred euros for it and you owned it. But now what Microsoft have done, they still offer you that, but on the, on the 365 subscription only, you're getting extra features such as the immersive reader and to be able to dictate your speech to text. So unless you're subscribing to Office 365, you're not going to get this feature. Um, yeah. So basically it's the dictation. Yeah, it allows you to talk into Microsoft Word and it types up everything you say. I've tried this and even with our uh, very country Irish accents, <laughs> it does quite a good job on it. So in fairness, um, it, is, it, is, it is a good, good feature. And yeah. the beauty of it is as well is you can also bring it in in Microsoft Outlook. So if you use Outlook for composing your emails and you want to, I uh, suppose, talk talk yeah, what you would traditionally type into the body of an email you can do that there as well and you activate that by using the alt key and the grav key now the grav key is located to the left of the number one it has a couple of different names on it 
um, Backtick um, is is another is another name yeah, back key yeah. as well. It's just, just below um, the escape key usually as well, isn't it? Just, yeah, just yeah, just yeah. below the escape key or left of the number one at, uh, at the top row. Um, yeah. So that's that particular key, whatever you call it yourself. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> I liked the way you said grav though. That was yeah. <laughs> that, uh, quite a bit of class to it there, Daniel. That could be. It could be. Very so, good. So, so that's. that's that's the dictation, yeah. yeah, the dictation in Word and also in Outlook. And if you don't have Office 365, um, it could possibly make you look at subscribing to it for that feature because it is quite good. Very good. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for those quick tips this week as well. Handy mm -hmm. to have those uh, tips and uh, just to, to be able to bring our attention to something as well if we're unaware of it. So appreciate that. So that pretty much brings the show to a close today. Hope you've enjoyed the discussion that we've had earlier on on subscription services, particularly and the review from uh, Brian as well of the dot watch and our tech tips as well. Um, please do let us know if there's anything that you'd like us to cover in a future show as well. And uh, if you need technology assistance, you can get support from the labs team uh, from nine to five, Monday to Friday on 1800 911 110, or you can email labs at ncbi.ie, or if you want to avail of the wider NCBI service, you can call 1850 33 or email info at ncbi.ie. Of course, we always appreciate your support of NCBI. And if you'd like to make a donation to help support our services, you can do that through donate.ncbi.ie. Just before we go, uh, just a reminder of what we'll be talking about in future live events. We'll get back to Amazon. Uh, we'll get them uh, back to us to talk to us about the Echo Show in one of our future live events. But we're also going to be talking about the weather. Sure, why wouldn't we in Ireland? Matt Aaron's new app is going to be the subject of uh, one of our next live events and we're going to be in, joined by none other than Evelyn Cusack to talk to us about that. One of the popular subjects as well that uh, has kind of gained in popularity in recent years, the variety of different smart glasses. Are they any good? What are they best for? Well, we're going to be covering that as well on a future live event. A reminder that our next show is in two weeks time. So that's Tuesday, November 9th at the usual time of 2.30. And if you want to stay up to date with what's happening in our live events, as well as plenty more, you can subscribe to our newsletter on our website or you can email us at labs at ncbi.ie if you'd like to do that. So all that's left for me to do today is to thank our guests, Dennis Nolan and Brian Manning. And of course, thanks to everyone listening in as well. And from JP, Daniel and myself, goodbye for now. And we look forward to having you all back with us soon for another NCBI Labs live event.